0: welcome to money md where the money doctors are in the house we're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money we give common sense solutions to your complex problems and now here are the doctors well ryan it's been an interesting week we just got off of thanksgiving and we have a really cool show lined up today we're going to switch it up a little bit we've got Geraldine de la with us she is a local uh, real estate agent and a longtime friend, and we'll we'll go through some more intros in a minute, but welcome, Geraldine. Yeah, Thanks. welcome. I'm but excited to be here. Glad to have you here. Did you have a good Thanksgiving?
1: We had a great Thanksgiving. It yeah. was very low-key. Yeah? Watch yeah. any football? No, we don't do football at our house.
0: Yeah, well, I, I did, unfortunately, watch the South Carolina-Clemson game, and we won't spend much time on that, but uh, that was not much of a <laughs> yeah. game. I turned it off at halftime. Did you Ryan? really? I did. They're I mean, a
2: fourth-quarter team, man. No, yeah,
0: they were, but Clemson's defense uh, was uh, was very, very good.
2: You know? Yeah, Clemson's really finished the year strong. Uh, my Dallas Cowboys, though. Uh, like, yeah, a little tough. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough loss.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad um, I'm glad we're going to a bowl game and we can get that memory behind us. But uh, and you know, we also have a lot of um, you know talk about the new variant, the Omicron variant. We're going to actually have a question of the week on that, so make sure you you stick around for that. But um, yeah, we have a great show lined up today. Um, my name is John Travis. Uh, I have an MBA in finance, and I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified counselor with over 29 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals.
2: And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro. And we have Geraldine here with us. Why don't you give us a little intro here?
1: Hey, I'm Geraldine Delorentis. I'm with the Frontgate Group at Summerhouse Realty. I'm an associate broker, and um, I've been in the business for going on six years now. And I'm just excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you here. And um, just full disclosure, Gerilyn has been, uh, she actually worked here at Richard Young Associates starting back in 2002, and then she worked full-time until 2000 and uh, eight and then part time until 2011. So we've we've known Geraldine for a long time. She's a, a dear friend. Um, sometimes can be uh, cruel to uh, to me um, <laughs> in the office, but we get along very well and super uh, happy to have you here today. We've got we've got a list of questions here that we're going to go through and, and cover in a couple of minutes. Um, but we are excited to have you listening to us today. We're we're up every single uh, Friday morning. Um, you can also go to our website moneymd.net, um, or you can go to iTunes and download. Uh, the podcast and listen to us on your own time. And also check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a, a great, um, we've got great information out there. We have some information for college students. We also have a retirement calculator um, as well. So um, we're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. And Ryan, you're going to cover that. And it has to do with real estate. So it kind of ties into our, our theme today.
2: Yeah. So check this out. So as of at the end of last year, um, the United States had a housing shortage of 3.8 million homes, and that was as of the end of last year. So 3.8 million homes are needed to meet the national demand for single family homes and that's according to Freddie Mac. So pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, so I guess you kind of feel that, Geraldine, that does probably doesn't surprise you.
1: It does not surprise me one bit. And
0: I assume we have a shortage of homes here in the yes. CSR? Yes, we do. Yeah, well, and so that that leads me to I guess just the the first question here is is you know, if you go back 2 years, 2019 and if someone were had had been able to predict a worldwide pandemic and um, shutdowns and um, you know the illnesses and so forth, would anybody have ever predicted real estate to do what it's done? It's just to me, it just makes no sense. So I'm curious on your perspective.
1: I mean, I wouldn't have thought so. <clears throat> I think really what happened was when people were locked down in their houses, they were either thinking this house is too small, we need to get a bigger house, Hmm. or they did a bunch of remodeling to their houses because they had all that time on their hands. And then they decided since they had it so nice and neat, they would just go ahead and list and sell their house and buy a new bigger home or a new smaller home.
0: Yeah, it really is amazing. I mean, the I mean, I think most of the United States is that way. I know, um, I know that the Augusta areas, uh, you know, Lexington. I mean, when you drive around anywhere, it's there's construction everywhere. Yes. Do you see that in um in commercial as well, or is it primarily residential?
1: Primary, primarily residential. A okay. lot of the commercial, you know, a lot of people have been working from home a lot True. more than True. they were before, and so I've seen less of the commercial side, gotcha. but that's not my forte. So. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: I do see, I do see commercial, but I know the, um, you know, the, uh, the residential is, is just, it's, it's amazing. It really is. It's, it's a great time to, to be in real estate. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's got to be fun and exciting, it right? Yeah, <laughs> Keep you on your toes. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we got some other questions we're going to, um, kind of go through here and we'll, uh, look forward to your answers.
2: Yeah. So the first question, Geraldine, is really how will forbearance affect the market? What are you guys seeing?
1: So with the moratorium ending, headlines kind of make it sound like, the well, they do say the foreclosures are up 49%, um, and that's because the moratorium ended. So while the foreclosures were super low last year, you have to kind of look back at the amount in 2019 to say how low we actually are in comparison. So in August of 2019, there were about 28,000 foreclosures. Versus August of 2020, there were only 5,603, and then in August of 2021, 8,348. From 2017 to 2019, average foreclosures were 290,000. In 2020, we only had 129,000, which is short 161. Hmm. And then the first half of 2021, we've only had 19,560, so we're short 270,000. Yeah. So, um, the other part of it is 39.5% of mortgaged properties have at least 50% equity. So, if they come out of forbearance, they can turn around and sell their home Mm -hmm. and they have plenty of equity to be able to do that.
0: So, the moratorium is now off. It's been lifted as of, was it September? I
1: believe it was September, yes.
0: Yeah. So, does that, does the fact that people, you know, we're not forced out of their homes it means there's less inventory. Does that have any impact on
1: there? There is still not a lot of inventory, and right. we'll talk about that a little bit later on okay. with some of the other questions we have. I'm going to go through what yeah. our inventory locally looks like.
0: Do you, do you see the CSRA kind of fitting that national statistic? Is I mean, do you have any data on um, not on the forbearance or the foreclosures? I have, we
1: have not really seen a huge uptick in, in foreclosures okay. in the local area. In area. Okay, yeah,
0: all right. Very good. So the next next uh, question is, is: Is it a good time or or a bad time to buy uh, a home with uh, prices appreciating um, at a higher than normal rate? So obviously we've seen, and you know, I talk to people all the time that are are looking to to either move out of town or move in, you know, locally. And it seems like an offer is put on a house, and sometimes it's less price, but sometimes it's even higher than that. So yes. is it a good good or bad time to buy?
1: Well, um, really. Due to a lack of inventory, it is really tough for buyers right now Mm -hmm. because we are seeing a lot of multiple offer situations. Um, But year over year, the house appreciation has been like 20%, 19%. It's been ridiculously high. They're expecting that to be lower in the coming years. Um, Right now, (laughs) forecasters are showing in 2021 appreciation being right at like 11%. -hmm. So it has gone down. Um, And then in 2022, they're forecasting 5.82%. And then for it to kind of level off over the next couple of years down Mm -hmm. to 3.5. The appreciation for the last 20 years average is 3.8. So that gives you a... Yeah, you know. <clears throat> wow,
0: twenty percent—that that's amazing. I didn't, I haven't heard that stat. And then this year it's eleven percent, so double digits. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a uh, been uh, interesting. So I guess if you look at at uh, interest rates, I mean, one of the the risk, I guess, to the real estate market is interest rates. I know. Gosh, when I started buying houses back in the 90s, my first uh, interest rate, and I did an arm, which we tell Ooh. people not to do arms, and uh, I know. Uh, John. Hey, hang John on. John, Travis. I had, reason, oh, I, I had a reason. I had a reason. I had a reason. I knew I was going to be moving within three years, so mm-hmm. I was with a company that was moving folks every couple of years, so it was a five-year arm, so I had some protection, <laughs> uh-huh. but it was 7.5%. Yeah. Oh, my god. So if you get a 7.5% rate versus a, a 3% rate, it, it makes a huge difference. You can't afford a, a, as much of a house. That's Right. Right. And, and who knows where interest rates are going. We're not trying to predict interest rates. But certainly interest rates can, can certainly make a, a difference in, in uh, you know, the, the the prices of house and what people are buying. That's right. Yeah. So we've got another good question here.
2: Yeah. So, you know, as we are looking at these prices, you know, is there a break for buyers in terms of prices and inventory? Anything coming down the road?
1: Well, you know, the market has slowed just a touch locally from the spring and the summer, but we still have really low inventory. Right now, locally, we have just over a month of inventory, 1.3 months of inventory, which means if nothing else listed, hmm. we would be out of homes to sell in 1.3 months. What's normal? What? Um, so a neutral market is six months of inventory. Wow.
0: Hmm. That is really tight.
1: Yes. It, <clears throat> it is ridiculously tight. Um, so, you know, even... Even if we get a bunch more inventory, until we get six months of inventory, we're still going to be in a seller's market. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that that's a you know bad thing for buyers, but it's, it's not really going to give them a break. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Um, I will say that you know at the different price points. I know I said that for overall it's one point three. Um, if you're looking at between one hundred and two hundred thousand, we have 0.76. Wow, well, that's, that's um, amazing. And it's underneath one, everything is under one month until you get to 400000 mm. And then you're at $1.56. Yeah. So even in the higher price points, we still have really low inventory.
0: Yeah, I guess that's, and you know, if the prices are up 20% last year, 11% up this year, that would be an incentive for someone to move, like we were talking about yes. initially. It's like, you can get 30% on your money in two years, that's... Very unusual. I mean, it's fantastic, it but very unusual um, as well. Now, do you cover um, Augusta, Aiken, mm-hmm. North Augusta? The-
1: I, I personally don't go all the way to Aiken okay. only because I'm not that familiar with that market, but I do have some really good realtor friends who yep. do okay. work the Aiken market, but I do North Augusta, absolutely. Gotcha. Yes.
0: Gotcha. Very good. So another question here that, that, that we get a lot of times, so they will be interesting on your, on your um, uh, recommendation on this, but what is the minimum amount of money a person needs to buy a home?
1: Okay, so I... Discussed this question with a lender friend of mine over at Queensborough, a local bank, and he said that based on average credit, looking to buy a home of two hundred and fifty thousand, and putting the minimum amount down on a conventional loan, as a first time home buyer, you would only need three percent down, which is seventy five hundred dollars. If you're not a first time home buyer, then five percent would be the minimum on a conventional, which is twelve thousand five hundred. And if the borrower is a professional with a master's degree or higher, and In the first 15 years of employment, they can qualify for 100% financing, which Mm -hmm. is 0% down. And a lot of people don't know that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Mm So, I mean, we obviously, we talk about 20% and it is not, it is nice to be able to do 20% for the PMI insurance, um, private mortgage insurance. But Mm -hmm. if you can't do that, there are other ways to to get in. That's right. um, To the... uh, to the home. So that's great. Uh, thanks for for reaching out to your, uh, your friend in that yes. area that helps. Um, so w- I'm going to switch gears just a little bit and uh, take a, a little bit of a, a break from real estate. We'll come back to it because, gosh, you know, we always love talking <laughs> to real estate with and So but we are going to have we have a question of the week and starting to uh, get this question um, after uh, last Friday's drop after uh, Thanksgiving, the markets um, dropped a little bit, didn't they? Ryan? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you saw that, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> what,
2: was the worst day all year?
0: <clears throat> yeah, it, it was. And it was yeah. because of the uh, uh, the new variant, the Omicron variant. And... Um, You know it's on the news a lot and i've been watching the news i guess a little frustrating thing for me personally is you know the science isn't out there 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 are these speculations about what it's going to do or what it's not going to do and we don't have the science so uh the question is should i make any changes to my investments And, and and no you should not based on this variant will the market go down it could um but we see have we see how this has played out right went down in in 2020. It ended up coming back. The Delta variant was another variant. I mean, I honestly think this is going to be something that we are dealing with for the rest of our lives, kind of like the flu. And um, I I said back in March when we, um, you know, had these conversations with folks that, I mean, I feel... Uh, so optimistic about our healthcare, um, you just, the, all the people that are working and, and God bless them because they've, they've had a heck of a, a, two years here. Um, but no, from your investment standpoint, you gotta be in the right allocation on the front end of this. Uh, make sure you have the right mix between stocks and bonds and then if the markets go down, um. Put some money in. You know, if you're building wealth or if you're taking money out, we can pull it from the bond side of it. So um,
2: Yeah, and just even with this variant, there's just so much we don't know yet, and it it just seemed like it was just the markets were looking for an excuse to move or something. But you you need to know three things, right? You know, vaccine efficacy, does it work against this variant? How contagious is this virus? And how severe is it? And they don't know any of those three things yet. Yep, yep. So it's just a, yeah, a lot of panic for
0: yeah you know, turn off the news um, yeah, I mean it's the, just noise there's so much negativity and they do a great job of, of selling fear and I, I we have reduced our news intake um, but I do have to watch it because that's what our clients are watching you know I need to see what the, the current stories are so don't don't make changes to your investments if you have concerns certainly reach out to us or your financial advisor and you can talk about your specific situation so it's a great question of the week and we're gonna jump back in here to um, talking about some real estate with Jerry Lynn and um, Ryan, I'll let you take the next question.
2: Yeah. So this is a question we get a lot. You know, Is it cheaper to own a home or rent one in our local market?
1: Um, well, in our local market, it is cheaper to own typically. Um, rent prices are on the rise. Uh, just for an example, a two-bedroom, two-bathroom townhome in Richmond County is renting between $1,000 and $1,200 a month a mortgage on that same property would be between $700 and $800 a Mm -hmm. month. And so that's a significant difference a month. Now, if you're not someone who wants to maintain a home, uh, you know, replace a roof and all of that kind of maintenance, then maybe renting is for you.
0: Yeah, I think it it depends. Um, My daughter just bought a home down in Orlando, and she had been renting for four years, and um, she's going to get into a home. It is going to be less payment. Um, but then there's some hidden cost as well. She's she's having to buy a ladder and a lawnmower and and (laughs) blinds and paint and so forth. So but but part of her payment the the thing that was attractive to her as part of that payment is going towards the equity associated with it versus right. not. And and some of the other factors were she was living in a townhome and she had people above her and to the side of her and so forth. So, you know, the f- financial piece is a portion of it, but there's other factors as well that that you know, may be even more important than the financial that, that you want to buy a home or, or rent. It mm-hmm. really depends on the situation. But I, she got tired of writing that check every single month, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it going, going away basically, and she was not building any equity in there. So uh, I think it depends on the situation. Any?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously many factors. I would just say, you know, just always make sure you have a good financial plan. You know, it's always good to sit down and make sure it works for you in that moment because everybody's situation is different. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. Okay, we we talked a little bit about this. Uh, refresh our, our uh, memory on the housing inventory. What it currently looks like. I think you said between a hundred and. Is it 200 that it's um, you have like 0.7 months? Yeah,
1: let me go back to that. So, yeah, between, well, between 100 and 200,000, we have 0.76. So less than a month. And at 200 to 300,000, we have Mm. 0.56. 300 to 400,000, we have 0.73. And then between 400,000 and half a million, we're right over one, right over a month, 1.56. Um, between 500 and 600,000 we have 3 months of inventory so that's like getting a little bit better mm-hmm. but then between 600 and 700,000 we're at 1.38 yeah um and so you can just see we really are lacking in inventory at uh, at a lot of the price point most of the price points yeah um, and then let's see what else I want to talk to you guys about here. Um, mortgage rates. I mean, a 30-year fixed is still just over 3%, 3.25%, 3.3%. i am seeing a little bit higher. Um, But it's still a great rate. And this, we kind of talked about this a little bit before. We're going to put it into perspective. If we look at historical mortgage rates, in the 1970s, the average rate was 8.86. In the 1980s, the average was 12.7. In the 90s, it was 8.12. In the 2000s, 6.29. And in the 2010s, 4.09. So 3.25, 3.5, still a great rate. Yeah, still pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So
0: do you, um, so when someone puts, um, when you're representing someone and they put a an offering on a house, I mean, are people putting in higher bids because, um, you know, than the list price? Is that what you're seeing?
1: That is absolutely what I'm seeing. And I'm even <coughs> seeing a lot of people doing appraisal gaps, um, where if the price that they're offering, they don't think it's going to appraise for that, they will offer, you know, a couple thousand dollars to... Help with that appraisal gap so mm-hmm. that the seller is getting more than what the house is appraised for. Now, I don't always recommend that, you know, especially when you start when they start getting crazy, going ten thousand, twenty thousand. You don't want to be upside down on your house mm-hmm. when you first buy it. <laughs> um, but if a thousand dollars will win it for you, then. I'm yeah. all in on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, $1,000 uh, to get the house. I mean, yeah, the the inventory levels are amazing to me, which is what it's supply and demand, I mean, it's economics, yes. right? I that's mean, right. The, the less supply you have, you know, the demand's going to drive the price up. So it certainly makes sense. Um so we've got another good good question here from Ryan.
2: Uh, yeah, so uh where am I? Sorry. Should buyers be interviewing realtors before choosing to work with them and what questions should they be asking you?
1: Nah, they probably don't need to. No, I'm just using. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a lot of buyers don't realize this, but you can work with a realtor either as a customer or as a client. And when you sign paperwork and become a client, that realtor has your best interest at heart. They, ha- they are working for you. Um, And you want an experienced buyer's agent who can think outside of the box to win a multiple offer situation. Many buyers just call the listing agent. But what they don't realize is that agent represents the seller, not the buyer. And so they're not going to do the best that they can in an offer for you. They're just going to have, you know, they're going to do the best for the seller because that's what they're obligated to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Some questions that you can ask a buyer's agent. Number one, what strategies do you have Um, other than offering over list price to win a multiple offer situation, there are several different things in an offer that, matter not just the price such as such as um if you're asking the seller to pay closing costs or not Mm. um the amount of time you want for due diligence to have inspections done if it's a newer home i always recommend having an inspection done but it may be that you know unless there's some major issue that comes up you don't mind taking care of little stuff that comes up in an inspection and that could make your offer more competitive um let me think.
0: So, how about um, mm-hmm. so? I, I mean, I, I hear people <laughs> that are leaving in droves from California, and New York, and coming down south, yes. and so forth, and they're paying cash. Mm-hmm. It's probably an attractive, you know, versus you know, someone having to get financing. Is that is that a big factor for someone selling? Do you see if someone has a cash offer?
1: It really is, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> because a lot of times in a cash offer, that they're not making it contingent on an appraisal. They don't even have an appraisal done sometimes. Uh-huh. I don't recommend that yeah. to my yeah. buyers, but there are people that hmm. they'll come in and they buy in cash, they can close it quickly. They don't have to have 30 days for a loan to be processed. They don't have to worry about um, lender you know, requirements. And so that does make it a lot more attractive. And we do have a lot of cash buyers coming yeah. down here. Yeah. I've seen more cash. I've had more cash transactions this past year than I've had in my entire career, wow. which I know is not that long, but still...
0: Yeah, it's different. I mean, people are moving. Um, I think from the big cities with all the, um, you know, unrest and yes. and just just craziness and shutdowns and so forth. They're 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 coming south.
1: Yes, they <laughs> are. So another question that you can ask a buyer's agent is how often in the last six months have you won a multiple offer situation? Mm-hmm. If they can't answer that, then that tells you that they're not that experienced in doing a multiple offer situation. Um, What can I do to increase my chance of getting under contract with the home I want? Um, A lot of people don't know this, but here in our local market, using a local lender makes a huge difference Hmm. versus using um, an online lender or someone that's out of town. Because if there's a problem, I can go to an office and... Face to face, talk to someone about making getting a solution, and so a lot of agents, if the pre approval letter is not from a local lender, it's not as strong of an offer. Yeah. Um,
0: So they don't want to see Jerry Lynch showing up at the office, right? No,
1: (laughs) they do not. (laughs) And I have take care of business. I will take care of business, but I have a great relationship with lenders. But you, yeah. But when you're calling a one eight hundred number to get someone on the line, and they're an employee, they're not. It's not, you know. They yeah. don't care yeah. if they get it done or not. Um, another question that I think is important to ask, do you know how a backup offer works? A lot of people don't even realize mm. that you can put a backup offer in on a home what is that? that's no. already under contract. It is a... It's Just
0: contingent I guess if it falls through then If it
1: falls through then yours becomes <coughs> the primary contract interesting. and you I have won several offers for buyers that way by being the backup offer. Wow, that's mm-hmm. cool.
0: How about the um the earnest money? What do you see people typically putting down Is it a percent or is Yeah, it
1: typically 1%, 1% is what you percent, put okay. down for. Does that make money? a
0: difference if you someone put down 10% um, I would true. say, yeah, because,
1: okay. you know, Just, they're putting their money where their mouth is. I yeah. mean, that during the due diligence time, obviously, if something comes up and they terminate, they get their earnest money back. But right. after that due diligence time, if they back out for no reason, I mean, for yeah. no reason, that seller's keeping that earnest money. Does that so, happen very often? Um yeah. It happens often enough. Really? Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So 1%. I, I, I didn't know what the mm-hmm. the number was. So Okay.
1: Yep. Good. That's typical. Um, and then one <laughs> of the final questions I would ask is, do you work well with other realtors and can you provide peer reviews? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when you're going, even when you're under contract, you're, real, you're working with that other realtor on the other side of the transaction. And if you don't have a good working relationship, that can cause issues to get it to closing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you... I think it's important that your realtor has a good reputation with other realtors and other lenders. Right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good.
0: And um, another question here is, in you know this hot market, I mean things are, are going very quickly. Does a seller really need a realtor?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I am a realtor. <laughs> I will say this: if I was going <clears> to <throat> do a for sell by owner, this would be the time that I would try it because yeah. the market is so hot. Yeah. However. It is really challenging to get multiple offers from a buyer and to really know the differences in a contract because it is more than just the list price. When you consider all of the the items in a contract, the bottom line number is what you really want to be looking at. And you want to make sure that you're, you know, if you're working with a realtor, they're used to seeing those contracts all the time. They know mm-hmm. what to look for and they can break it down for you in a very easy way to understand
0: Yeah, we we have a lot of questions. I mean, you know, in in the financial services arena, there's a lot of different options, right? People can go to uh, Vanguard or Swab and... You know, there's there's a lot of different ways to do investing, and mm-hmm. and can so do people need an financial advisor? It's a very personal thing, but it's very technical, and and we feel like we add value, and I'm sure oh, you do sure as you well, do. and yes. keep people out of the ditch, and you know you can save significant money. Yes. It's like with you know lawyers and CPAs. I mean, you can do taxes yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, do you really want to take that on? And some people do. I mean, yeah. that, that's okay. Um, there's different ways to do this, but I would think. You know, your experience and your knowledge, um, not only of the technical piece, but also of the market, it just pays, you know, dividends and would make sense for the most part to use, uh, use you, <laughs> use real
2: estate.
1: I think you'll get the most money for your, I mean, even though you are paying the realtor, what, sh- what they can bring to the table to get you in a contract could more than pay for that yeah. service yeah, yeah, in yeah. itself. Yeah.
0: I do have another question for you that yes. um, is asked um, frequently. We and I know Ryan, you probably have had this conversation with your clients as well. But you know, real estate is um, is uh, is attractive, and people you know like it. They're intrigued by it. They talk about passive income. So, what is your take on someone getting into the rental real estate market? Kind of give me your view of. To me, it seems like that is a hyper-competitive uh, arena. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of people doing it. But what is your what is your take on that?
1: I think it's great for passive income. Um, I personally don't do rentals because I would have I would I just know myself, and I would have a really hard time kicking someone out of a house. Yeah. I just can't do it. So I'm really interested actually in commercial rentals. I think uh, that would be yeah. a really um, that's kind of what I'm learning about now, yeah. and that's my goal for next year is to learn the most I can about rentals in the commercial realm um, because you don't have that emotional piece in it. But, I, I mean, I know a ton of realtors who do property management mm-hmm. on, and have their own personal rentals, and it can be a, a good source of income.
0: So is there uh, – I guess if someone gets into the, the rental real estate business, there are property management companies that can then take care of the day-to-days yes. and um – you know, the, the issue. So they're kind of on the outside. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And there are several property management companies in town. Um, I don't deal with rentals at all. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And Tammy and I have always talked about doing rentals and, and she fortunately has, you know, pulled me back and said, no, we're not doing those. (laughs) And, and probably a good thing because I mean, some people are cut out to to do rentals and, they 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 can fix things, and I have some friends that do it full time, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're very good at it, and mm-hmm. um. So anyway, it's a question we get a lot of people. Oh, you know, yeah. A lot of times, people should I invest in real estate? And yeah, I think it's a great a great diversification tool and something to certainly consider. So yeah. Well, very good. Well, we appreciate your time um, here and all your expertise. And um, if someone, we're going to close with the prescription of the week, but if someone wants to get in touch with you, give us that that contact info.
1: Absolutely. Um, you can call or text me on my personal phone, 706-414-0408. Or you can find me on Facebook. I have a Google business page. You can find me on Google. Just Google my name, Realtor, and it'll pull it up and it's got all my other contact information on it.
0: And you don't have the easiest last names to spell it I for?
1: Well, okay. It's D-E-L-A-U-R-E-N-T-Y-S. And my first name is not really that easy either. So G-E-R-I-L-Y-N.
0: And you're with the front gate group at Summer House Realty. Summer
1: House Realty. That's correct. Very cool.
2: And I will say my wife and I worked with Geraldine this year and it was a good experience because we had no idea what we were doing uh, we were buying <laughs> some land and had no idea and she walked us through everything and it awesome. was easy and yeah we enjoyed working with her
0: very good yeah. so uh, Ryan's going to close us out with the prescription of the week
2: yeah so the prescription this week is you know real estate can be a significant piece of your net worth so you want to do your research as you buy and sell and consider partnering with a professional as they can guide you through the process
0: yeah i mean so when you look at someone's net worth i mean people have you know investments and cash and then cars um, and then real estate, we see a lot of people with with real estate, maybe one property or two properties rentals, but um, <clears throat> just make sure you do your due diligence. like Working with someone like Jerry Lynn that can can walk you through the the ins and outs of the the buying and the selling. And if you do it right, it can be a it can be a you know enhancement to your net worth, and it can be something that's enjoyable. So very good prescription of the week. And this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our web- website MoneyMD net send us your questions and give us a call at richard young associates at 706-739-0725 thanks for listening and hope you have a great week
1: this program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice this broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security smartvester pro is not connected to investment returns further information is available by contacting richard young associates a registered investment advisor